Previously on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right, it's a Friday. The Colts are off. It doesn't mean it's not a football Friday here on The Fan, as always. Broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios, it's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. The Hoosiers winners last night. I'm sure Indiana fans have thoughts on that game. Joe Burrow goes down. The Colts lose. The Colts, oh, the Colts lose. The Bengals lose. The Colts up to the eighth seed right now. If you look at ESPN.com. The Colts won last night if you look at that Burrow injury. It uh, absolutely was the case. KB, a good morning. When are you leaving and going off to Knoxville? Yeah, I am leaving here after the show. I will say. Do you have orange on? I have some orange on. You have orange on right now, don't you? I might rock that a little bit more prominently <laughs> for the camera later. Um, I was a little in scramble mode here driving in. Oh, and no. By the way, it is an ugly Friday yeah. morning. I really hope this is not what we're going to get for semi-state weather tonight. 24 teams left. And the IHSA state tournament. Uh, Greg Graystraw obviously will join us coming up at 8 o'clock. But your boy was in scramble mode for the wedding ring. Oh, no. Nah. <laughs> Brother, I have been there. Boy, I have and you done know what? that. I have been there. I got a couple blocks away from the house, and I turned around to get it. And, you know, it was just one of those rough nights in the Bowen household. And, you know, didn't get a lot of sleep. And I'm like, you know, I, like four or five places where I thought it could be. You think I found it? Uh, I, I was I was trying to peep and look at your hands. Uh, I'm going to say you did not find it. Did not find it. Uh, not sure it's going to matter a whole too much with how my hair looks this weekend. Don't can't, can't see a lot of SEC. <laughs> You know, well, that's talent. Like, you're not going to uh, Knoxville right after this, right? Like you're going home. Well, or I, are you not seeing your the wife plan again? Was to meet at one of my buddy's house, carpool. Sure, and. and Basically, I, I didn't need to stop back at home, and now I'm like, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, so based you, off good karma, I've got to stop. So at you home. don't have your wedding ring for Correct. your big SEC uh-huh. weekend, right. Between the Vols and the be Georgia Bulldogs over there. So maybe during the break, <laughs> I'll start looking. So oh, the man. heart rate a little bit faster here. On this Friday morning. I, I have pulled out a trash bag before. Man, how many guys can can know, side with you I on know. this? I have pulled out trash bags and looked through trash before. And it's always somewhere where it's just way too easy. It, maybe it's fallen down somewhere. I went one time. I had, you'll love this. I mean, you might as well do this. Welcome to 239-1070. Yeah, good Friday That's wake up call. Good Friday. We, I, I went, the, the dumbest place I put it one time was I had a fantasy football draft. I had two drafts, and they were at the casino near Louisville over in southern Indiana. And, you know, I'm a casino. Oh, yeah. I, I can be a casino Elizabeth guy. Town, right? I can be a casino guy, but you don't want to be a casino guy all day. And this was an early draft and a late draft, and then in between beers, gambling, and everything God, else. what a day. It was a day, so I went That's back. That's probably actually. prerequisite where you can't wear your wedding <laughs> well, ring. Well, like, I, you got to put it in a basket before the day starts. So I went back to my car to get, like, a power nap, okay, in the middle of the day with the, uh, after all the Bud Lights and, you know, everything, in the middle of the day before my late draft. And for some odd reason, I took my wedding ring off and I put it in, like, the console of my car that has a bunch of change and stuff. And and I, obviously, after having, you know, 10 Bud Lights, I totally forgot that it was there. Sure. Sure. But I've had three or four instances, Kevin, where I thought it was just straight up gone, where I wrote it off and I was like, listen, honey, I'm going to get one of one of those $5 rubber wedding rings because this ain't going to ever yeah. happen again. I, I'm not there just yet, but <laughs> oh, man, I feel again, for you. Um, I feel there, for you. There's a reason why I did the hair procedure last oh. Friday. And it's probably moments like this where uh, I'm the on my second level. wedding ring. Oh. I mean, I, Say it again. I'm on my my second Are wedding you? ring. Yeah, because I was bringing the garbage out one time and I was going, I was doing overnights. I was going to throw the trash out, and the band got tied around my finger. Oh my gosh! So when it's I like tossed a movie the garbage scene. can in, it just went clean off. Like I didn't even notice it until I got in the car. I circled back around. I'm like, "Am I about to climb through this dumpster and look for it?" I nope. climbed in the dumpster. I didn't find it. Oh wow! God, like, Mark. Well, I don't know. You that dumpster dove. Yep. Now I, I'll be totally honest with you guys. Uh, <laughs> You know, Max was up early, and so I'm trying to do a little multitask, like feed Max, oh. and then do a little show prep. And Max was not in the mood to just sit in his seat for breakfast, so it was more of a multitask, like, all right, just sit on my lap, I'll type with my right hand, and I'll be totally honest with you guys, driving in this morning, I'm like, did all of a sudden the wedding ring end up in his grape bowl? 
Oh, no, not the Great Bowl. I'm like, did he swallow the wedding ring? I'm no, like, Kevin, stop thinking no, about that. He Just didn't do that. You left these green lights, don't crash on wet leaves, and try to get into work. So, nonetheless, made it in about 6.58 and change. Good Friday morning <laughs> to you. I feel for you. Uh, Indiana over Wright State last night, 89-80. Uh, Tony Adrania, who I've always enjoyed his insight on IU basketball, he's going to join us at 9 o'clock. Uh, to try and summarize what we've seen here in these first three games for Mike Woodson's bunch. Again, it's really a quiet weekend, Andy. Whether, uh, you know, if you were thinking, hey, Colts bye week, let's catch the Pacers. They don't play on Friday. I would venture to guess this is the only Friday, Saturday that they have off all year long. Yeah, let me pull up their schedule while we're talking. I'll try to figure that out, but it's got to be. So, uh, nothing until Sunday when it's Goga Batadze tribute video night inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. <laughs> uh, and again, last night, Thursday night football, the Ravens over the Bengals. That was... The Thursday night football game of just get to triple zeros and don't get hurt. Uh, Mark Andrews, one of the best mm. tight ends in all of football, suffering what John Harbaugh said is a likely season-ending ankle injury. And the Joe Burrow scene was very odd. Um, you know, there has been this for those that haven't followed the story. Again, short week. All of a sudden, Cincinnati. Heads to Baltimore. Burrow gets off the team plane, and there's like an image of him with a wrap brace, whatever you want to call it, on his right wrist, right throwing hand. He was not listed on the injury report. It looked like he was getting ready to go bowling. Yes. He had like a, bowl, yeah, yeah, he had like yeah. a bowling uh-huh. glove yeah, on. Him and Pete Weber in the U.S. Open. <laughs> I love how someone bowl. someone did. It's a bad job by the Bengals. You got to have Burrow get off the, the bus with nothing on his hand because, I mean, whoever got it, I mean, they shot the video. And they deleted from, it, right? From, from a Yeah, from a long distance through people. So it's like the Bengals almost got away with it, but they didn't. Yeah, and that's one of those where it just showed Jamar Chase and move on. Yeah. You know, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, don't need to show Burrow. Um, and all of a sudden, he throws a you know a little dink and dunk touchdown to Mixon last night, and it just—I mean, it looks like he got sniped almost mm-hmm. in the wrist. His reaction, he tried to throw on the sideline. Same thing happened here. Um, was a sprained wrist? Is that what Zach Taylor called it after the game? It, that's what they called it, and you know, it's playing on the TV above you. And what's I've never here's the thing about this injury. Whenever you see a non-contact injury, it's usually like an Achilles or to a guy's knee. And you're like, oh, that's not good. The turf got him, right? You think of like Aaron Rodgers. You think of Kirk Cousins. You think of, oh, man, his knee. You know, that's a non-contact injury. When you see non-contact, you get all nervous. I've never seen a non-contact wrist injury before in my life. In the NFL, college football, we can ask ask Rakestraw if he's seen it. You know, in the high school game, I thought he hit his... Uh, I thought he hit maybe his wrist on a guy's helmet, but it didn't happen. I've just never seen a no-contact injury like that. It really was. And then the way he reacted on the sideline to the injury, you never get that kind of a reaction from an NFL player. You never do. So now, 5-5 Cincinnati as they lose last night, 34-20. As Andy said, they have moved behind Indianapolis in the AFC playoff standings, so the Colts are just one spot out of that seventh and final AFC playoff spot. And now the big question becomes for Burrow, what is the injury? How severe is it? And when does he play again? Because if you look at the schedule, we've mentioned this now for several weeks. The one, and I guess C.J. Stroud now qualifies as another of these you guys. Can't think, you can't think he plays next week, can you? You can't think that. But if you look at the quarterbacks for the Golds the rest of the year, Burrow was the one that stood out on the schedule. And December 10th, less than a month, you know, who knows if he will be ready for that one. But if not, you're looking at a three-game stretch upcoming, Andy, of Baker Mayfield, Will Levis, Jake Browning. I guess if you want to extend it a little further, Kenny Pickett, Taylor Heineke, Aiden O'Connell. That would be the next six quarterbacks on the Colts' schedule. So um, outside of the result, just a massive injury in terms of Colts and playoff implications last night on Thursday night. Yeah, you, you mentioned there you'll throw in Kenny Pickett. Yeah, you will because he throws for about 150 yards a game. So you will throw in Kenny Pickett as being uh, a subpar quarterback. And just for the Bengals and looking at it through the eyes of the Colts and also what the Bengals have coming up, you know, next week they have the Steelers. And then the week after that, they're in Jacksonville. So it's not like they get a kiss from the schedule and they get the, you know, the Bay 
Bears, the Giants, the Rams, or some of these teams, the Raiders, or someone, I guess the Raiders are kind of, you know what I'm saying, they don't get a kiss from their schedule. I mean, that Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game always matters so much, and then Jacksonville, even though Jacksonville never actually wins in Jacksonville, if Burrow's not in those games, you have absolutely no chance. Poor Herb Street, you know he had to be consoling Al Michaels uh, when that injury happened, because you knew where the game was going in the second half. Al Michaels can't have nice things. Herbie was going. Jake Browning, you know, he played at Washington in college. He's yeah, ready Herbie for the moment. Play the college like, angle. He's not ready for the moment. This is Joe Burrow. And then something I want to dive into with this. I uh, texted you about it this morning. It has not been the year of the quarterback in the NFL. You have had subpar play by starting quarterbacks in the NFL, a bunch of quarterbacks that we thought were going to take the next step. You mentioned Kenny Pickett. You had to think Steeler fans thought that was going to be the case. It has not been the case. And then you just have injuries all over the place. And obviously the Colts and Anthony Richardson are one of those teams that are on my list here. But uh, subpar play, sketchy play, injuries, uh, injuries to backup quarterbacks, a bunch of rookies playing who are not ready for the NFL. It's just interesting how much they in the NFL wants to protect the quarterback. Boy, the quarterback has been bad or injured in a lot of cases this season. They really have. Uh, The other obviously big one last night from a local angle, that would be Indiana 89-80 over Wright State. It shows you how pathetic the performance has been for IU the first two games of the season. When I walk away from last night, I'm like, well, that was a little better. (laughs) And I guess I should make that clear. It was a little better on one end of the floor. Uh, They give up 80 to a mid-major team without its best best player. When we talked to you yesterday morning, the expectation was uh, Trey Calvin, uh, the preseason player of the year in the Horizon League, would play. He did not play in the game. Did you notice the line jumped six Mm -hmm. points once it was announced that he was out? Went from 9.5 to 15.5 with him not playing. Didn't seem to matter too much for Wright State offensively. Uh, They put up 80. Uh, Again, offensively, better. They got out in transition. Uh, Malik Renew and Khalil Ware have a nice little two-man game going. Um, you know, Ware, honestly, has been easily, right, the most consistent player for Indiana through oh, the first I mean, three Ka- games. Khalil Ware has been fantastic. Which, you know, hey, that is certainly a positive sign. Last night. Um, and now, all of a sudden, six of your next seven against high major teams, uh, I believe five of the next seven away from home, uh, continued questions will be there for Indiana starting Sunday. And, and I guess a little bit of a health question, too, as late in that game, Xavier Johnson goes down, twist, uh, look like left ankle, left foot. No update from Mike Woodson afterwards, but the turnaround rather quick as they will get on a plane tomorrow, head out to New York to take on the defending national champs in UConn on Sunday afternoon. Wasn't this always the gamble when you weren't going to be stocked with high-quality guards or at least proven guards? You could not have Xavier Johnson get injured. I mean, that was part of the deal here, that when he came back to school, it was going to matter. You know, I this is probably unfair and Indiana fans may say well Sweeney they could have won by 35 last night and it's right state and they're 0-2 and 167 in the Ken Palm and you wouldn't get the you know you wouldn't give them credit anyway for beating a team like that especially without their best player and, and okay that's fine but last night that's did such a low bar it did listen last night KB did little for me to make me feel better about this Indiana team and I know I, I know where it can play I know Renew can play and they did play well last night. I mean, Galloway had a had he bounced back, which is nice. And Baco at thirteen, he can't make a three. God bless him. But he but but he had, had three of nine. But he had Kinsley thirteen points. So I mean, at least he did something. He was active. He played twenty three minutes, uh, which is a lot better than you saw the first couple games. But just I, I, I mean, I don't know. First half, CJ Gunn hit a couple shots. You're like, okay, so maybe he'll give you something. And, and that really wasn't there defensively. Uh, it's just open shot after open shot. We have seen that consistently the last three games. I, I don't know. And then if you had it, if you had the line early, the layup at the end was a thing of beauty. Because if you if you had it, if you had it not in half, uh-huh. 10, 10 and a half, if you had it anywhere there, that layup with what fifteen seconds to go, and then the non fouling. Thank God, you know, if you had depending on where you had it. Uh, I know some people had some action, but if you if you were looking to 
feel a little bit better going into this difficult stretch. You probably did not get that last night with the win over Wright State. You well, didn't. How about this, too? In the first three, again, you've played all these mid-major teams. You know, Two of the three, Andy, didn't even have their best player. If you look at Isaiah Thompson and Florida Gulf Coast, again, you look at last night in Wright State, you know, imagine taking Cleo Ware away from Indiana right now. You know, he would certainly qualify as their best player. So, uh, questions abound, uh, even if offensively they were able to get out in transition and uh, have you know certainly some better moments on that end of the floor. But defensively, major questions abound. Again, Tony Adranya, uh, really respect his opinion uh, when it comes to IU uh, basketball. Just, I would say basketball in general, uh, former high school coach. He's made a quite a presence for himself on Twitter. Uh, he's going to join us coming up in a bit to chat about that. Greg Rakestraw in 45 minutes. He's got the big one tonight. That would be Ben Davis and Center Grove to decide the South representative in the 6A state finals coming up next weekend inside of Lucas Oil Stadium, so we will get you set with all of that. I do at some point today want to get back to Tyrese Halliburton. I, I think it, it's freaking amazing what he's done with the basketball and not turning it over here over the last couple of games. There's a number out there that is just astonishing to me that kind of adds to what Halliburton has done here as of late in protecting things. I am Kevin Bowen. He's Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton on the ones and twos. It's an ugly Friday in Indianapolis in terms of overcast, rain, wet leaves. Good luck on the commute in this morning. Thank you for spending it with us, though. You're listening to Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right here at 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Greg Rakestraw going to join us here in just a couple minutes. Going to be a big night of uh, high school football tonight. Looks like the rain's going to be out of here mid-afternoon at some point. So it might be a little wet, but I don't think it will be too bad. So we'll get Rake here in just a second. I'll throw a wrench in my breaking leaves plans today, by the way. Oh, boy. I got a little action done yesterday on that. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. I I have one more... Uh, probably one more small rake to go and I'll be good and done for the year, right? Yeah, yeah I have uh, kind of built a little bit of a pile for Rosie to jump in. Max more like to <laughs> fall in there. So I'm just kind of waiting for that excitement to end before. Uh, bag them up for good for 2023. I guess I should have done that, thrown the baby in the, yeah. to take some photos. Well, guess dive little, in there. Little little photo shoot. Mason, what? we'll grab you after a few minutes in <laughs> One there. of my dog lo- dogs loves the leaves, and the other dog, a pit bull, he's like terrified of them. Really? Doesn't want to step on them, doesn't want any part of them. No, it doesn't seem very pit bull like. It is. It's ridiculous. Uh, Greg Rakestraw joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rake, good morning, sir. How are you, man? I'm doing good, fellas. How you guys doing? Uh, we're good. Yesterday, I saw you rake, and you said, I'm just so busy. So, you feeling good? You got all your prep done for tonight? Dude, busy is a day that ends in Y for me, man. It is It is every day. So, prep is done for tonight, but uh, let's put it this way. I think I have done a Ben davis Center Grove semi-state game in parts of four different decades. So, I have, I have seen this from before. I got some historical knowledge geared up for this one. Rake, let's start right there. Obviously, it is the big one. Um, my memory is nowhere near as good as yours, and obviously you've witnessed so many of these games. Would you say of the four-peat potential, Center Grove's going for the four-peat, is this the toughest game that they've had throughout that? Run. You know, Cathedral's, Cathedral's been really good when they have come across them, you know, in the semi-state the last couple of years as well. Um, so they, they clearly, um, you know, d- deserve a mention. You know, the battles they've had the last couple of years, even if Center Grove, you know, bested them. You know, last year, Cathedral got the regular season game in Week 9, then Center Grove got down 10 nothing, and then kind of boat raced them, you know, in, in, in the second half of the game. I would also say this, that, you know, in 2020, nobody was touching that Center Grove team. Uh, and in 2021, they were a little closer to the pack. Last year was a much different story because it was a completely different team. That team just knew how to win. You know, they, they didn't know anything else. You know, this is potentially, you know, the most even matchup they have had over the course of the last three or four postseasons where you look at these two teams and they are virtually identical. You've got two Division One quarterbacks. You've got great size defensively. You've got multiple weapons offensively. Coy is the guy that draws your attention for Center Grove. I'm going to play baseball at Notre Dame. He's got 90 catches this year. And for someone to have that at Center Grove, I mean, that's usually what they have in, you know, for, a, for two seasons in receiving, let alone one. 
Mark Zachary is that guy for Ben Davis. So when I see these two teams tonight, Kevin, I just see how amazingly even I think they are going into this game. If you couldn't be there, where would you be spending your money tonight in terms of a semi-state game? There's a lot of good ones. Um, that is the game that I would go to. Um, but 5A Merrillville Snyder, I think, sets up to be that way. Uh, I think 4A Leo in Northwood sets up to be that way. Does Northwood um, have a kid going to Georgia, or is that last year? They've got one going to Georgia, one going to Northwood. Uh, and so the young man that was that, that's going to Georgia was going to head down to IMG for this year. IMG changed their policy and basically said, hey, we're not going to take a one-year slash one-semester player uh, because, in theory, you know, you're going to leave after this semester and move on and, and, and go to the Plains you know, coming up for the spring semester. So he ended up returning in the summer and going back to Northwood. So they've got a Georgia recruit and a Michigan recruit, wow, which is part of the reason why at 4A, Northwood <laughs> is still playing in the semi-state. God, don't see that every day. No, you don't. Greg Rakestraw with us here. I don't know. I mean, your game, Center Grove, Ben Davis. Uh, why would each team win? If Ben Davis wins, it's because fill in the blank. Center Grove wins, it's because fill in the blank. If Ben Davis wins, it's, it's because their linebacker core is so good. Um, Andrew Evans, uh, Nylon Browns, Rico Yusigi, uh, those guys all have 77 tackles or more. Um, Nylon Brown has 77. He's played in seven games. He didn't play wow. the last five games of the regular season. He's going to play at Kent State. I think he could be playing at Kent State this year, frankly. He's that good of a player. He's that smart of a player. Um, if Center Grove wins, it's because I, I think they can play mistake-free football because they're so veteran. Uh, this is a Ben Davis team that just finally wore down Cathedral last week. It was a Ben Davis team that creates multiple turnovers a game. They are they have forced 30 turnovers in in 12 games so far this year. Um, Danny O'Neill absolutely gutted it out. He was beaten up by Ben Davis last week. He basically kind of finished the game on one leg, but just kept firing. You know, one of those you go out on your shield, and that was kind of that night uh, for him in Cathedral. Ben Davis can just wear you down. I am interested to see, even for as tough and as physical as this Ben Davis team is, does the cumulative effect of whom they have played the last four weeks catch up to them? If Ben Davis wins tonight, that means they would have had to have beaten Brownsburg, Cathedral, and Center Grove over the span of a month. And just playing that level of opponent is going to take a toll on you at some point. And you just wonder if, 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 whether it's mentally or physically, there's a wear down process. And does that even kick in as soon as this evening? He is Craig Gregstraw again. We are down to 24 teams here in the IHSAA state football tournament. Obviously, next weekend we'll be at Lucas Oil. Are we uh, odd on Friday, even class of Saturday? Is that where we're at? That is correct. One three five on Friday, two four six on Saturday. I want to make sure. I don't know if we'll have a chance to chat next week, Rake. So I just want to make sure that everyone remembers the announcement from a few weeks ago. For those that missed it from the IHSAA, um, for those wanting to consume the IHSAA state football finals on TV or video, however you want to describe it, uh, how would they go about that? It is all online this year. So the IHSA Champions Network, presented by the Way Boys by Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance. IHSAATV.org is where you need to go see the games. Uh, it is a price for one game. It is a just slightly higher price to get all six games. So just pay for all six. That way you can kind of channel surf as you want to and watch any and all of the state championship games on Friday and Saturday. Greg Rakestraw with us here. Football Friday on the fan. Uh, obviously, Rake, uh, the Colts off. Uh, they, you know, they get the win in 10-6. They get that win in Germany last weekend. And then Tampa Bay will be next weekend. And we were talking about this before you came on. Why are the Colts 5-5? Five and five? I'll ask you that question. Watching this team, doing the post games, why are they a 5-5 five and five team right now, you think? They're resi- they're resilient, you know. There there are, you know, they, they have played so many different styles of games. Um, so I would say adaptability, flexibility of game plan by head coach Shane Steichen. Clearly, the return of Jonathan Taylor is a big part of that that allowed them to overcome 
having to make that transition from Anthony Richardson to Gardner Minshew. You know, early in the season, you would say defense. You could still say that after the last two weeks, but obviously it's it's a different defense without Grover Stewart out there. You know, we're T-minus two more games till he gets to come back uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you could also say they're five and five because of schedule. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. Sure. You know, the last two weeks, you know, you, you got the benefit of playing two of the four worst teams in the league. Um, I'll, I'll try it out my old Indiana University football line about the Colts. We're not in the win judging business. You, you got the win. That's good enough. So it, it's a myriad of factors why the Colts are five and five. But the good news is, is that while the quality of opponent gets slightly better, it doesn't get tremendously better. And the game that looked different than, say, the other seven that you have left, that game just changed because of the injury that happened in last night's contest between the Bengals and Ravens. So the Colts are smack dab in the middle, as 5-5 five and five would indicate, and their schedule would be smack dab in the middle. And a lot of teams that look just like the Indianapolis Colts is whom the Colts are playing the rest of the season. Yeah, right wrist injury for Joe Burrow last night. Uh, we will see about his availability here coming up in a few weeks when the Colts head down I-74 to take on Cincinnati. That's what Rake was referring to right there. Again, Greg Rakeshaw is with this. Got the weekend off Colts postgame show. Right tonight up in East Lansing, uh, Butler taking on Michigan State. Certainly Thad Mata, Tom Izzo have some familiarity with each other. Uh, I, I think the question is premature, but I'll ask it anyways. Is Butler the second best basketball team in the state of Indiana this year? We will find out. You know, I, I said this after the Purdue Xavier game on Tuesday. Purdue played the first game of consequence, so to speak, of, of the Indiana major colleges this year uh, and and beat Xavier, who we think is good. But Xavier has 10 new faces from last year. They're picked to finish seventh in the Big East. I bring that up in response to your Butler question because the answer is I think we know less about teams the first few weeks of the season than we ever have before. Purdue's a bit different. You know, even Purdue has two or three new faces in terms of their rotation, but there's so many familiar names. Because rosters are so fluid, you just don't know what these teams have. Butler has looked better, but I still tend to think of Butler's struggles over the last several years. Uh, Michigan State has not looked great. We still tend to think of them as Michigan State, led by Tom Izzo. So they may be, and, and, and let's you know face it, um, as you well know, Notre Dame's not good. Everybody kind of knew that going in. It's going to take Micah Shrewsbury some time up in South Bend. Rick, you want to say uh, that again? Be- can we can we have you say that again? Notre Dame is not good. That was just a it was a beautiful thing to hear. Sure. Let me let let me re- are you rolling tape on <laughs> yeah, this? Yeah, let's go. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. I think Notre Dame will be a tremendous program under Micah Shrewsbury in the future. Did I say it properly? <laughs> Spot on. They threw up a graphic last night that they lost 98% of their scoring, 98% of their rebounding, 98% of their minutes played, but only 97% of their assists from last season. That was the graphic that they threw up last night. And that was off a team that won how many games? Exactly. What? Maybe maybe 12? I don't even know if they won that many. Yeah, Yeah. complete rebuild. Yes. And obviously Uh IU has looked average. So I I, I think Butler is better. I just don't know. We're going to know a lot more after tonight. And obviously on Purdue, I, I don't think we've ever seen a, a, a holiday tournament field like the one in Maui. Oof. I know like when they've had the, like those PK-80 or PK-85 events mm-hmm. in Portland, you've had some, some stacked groups. That's 16 teams getting together. I mean, I, I, I just had me flipping around last night. And Seth Greenberg just said it, and I thought it was, it was really well said. He's like, folks, Purdue or Gonzaga – one of those guys are playing in the consolation bracket for two days. That's insane how good that field is in Maui. So we're gonna we're gonna whatever questions we have about Purdue, we're gonna know after the next three days. Yeah, you could have the Zags and then go right to top ten Tennessee. Greg Rakestraw with us. Uh, you mentioned Indiana being average. I, I don't know. I mean, last night didn't do anything to make you feel better. Now the competition picks up. I, I just, I guess, what do you make of the Hoosiers defensively? They haven't been great. They can't shoot any threes, and they've kind of been a six-man team early on this season. What do you make of them through three games? They're not very good, yeah. which is 
kind of what I thought they would be going into the season. Um, I mean, again, you lose TJD, I'm not sure how you replace him. Obviously, what Hood Shafino meant to this team, you kind of knew he was going to be a one-year guy, and Eric Gordon, uh, 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 Noah Vonley. It's it's tough to replace those guys. The big kid, the wear kid, you know, from Oregon, great piece, I I think can can do some things for you, but to think he's going to come in and be Trace Jackson Davis, that's a hell of an ask for a kid that, you know, what scored seven points a game at, at Oregon last year. I mean, it's just there. There, there's some recruiting pieces there, but it's not the level of talent they had a season ago. So it's it's you know, there's a reason they were picked to finish mid pack in the Big Ten. That might be kind about it. I mean, it's just it's just the reality of what they've got on that roster. Again, uh, Greg Rakeshaw's with us here. Uh, Rake, last one from me. Um, I, I got my fix in from you last uh, last weekend. I certainly got to Ben Davis Cathedral action Friday and then a little Monon Bell Saturday. Outstanding call, as always, on the Monon Bell game. We had Brett Dietz on yesterday as they get ready to Paul to play in the Division Three tournament. Um, just such a legendary game that I wanted to kind of give you the opportunity uh, to share your thoughts from calling the first ever overtime game in the 129-year history of the Monon Bell. Well, just tremendous. I mean, I've been fortunate to do the game for three years, and the storylines have been juicy all three years. You know, two years ago, um, Wabash is down 21 nothing after one quarter, and we're kind of looking around going, are we going to have a running clock? They don't have that in college football, by the way. But, it's, but it kind of felt that way. Liam Thompson throws a stiff arm in front of his own bench. Last play of the first quarter, place erupts. Wabash comes from behind to win 42-35. Last year, the game wasn't competitive. We had half a foot of snow before the game. And so obviously that's seared in your brain going forward. Um, and then this year, I mean, it was it was a one-score game the entire way. DePaul scores a touchdown in their opening drive for the third consecutive year in the bell, and Wabash goes right down the field and answers, and you're just kind of like, all right, boys, here we go. Uh, and it was just twist after turn. And for in the first overtime, have to have the H-back have the snap hit him. Because he got going a, a, a little early, didn't, didn't time his movement properly, and for him to be the kid for DePaul in the second overtime that caught the game-winning touchdown pass after he had caught two passes the entire year for one touchdown. Wow! It's just again just a remarkable finish, and I'm sure I said this last week, and I'll say it again: if you've never been to a Monon Bell game. That is simply a box you have to check at some point in time as an Indiana sports fan because there is nothing like that atmosphere in this state at either school because of what that game means to everybody on both campuses. That is their season. I know that DePaul is playing in the Division Three playoffs, but I think you ask their alums, maybe not their players right now, ask their alums, hey, what's a bigger deal, beating Wabash or making the Division Three playoffs? The answer is the former. That's how much that game means to them. Perhaps it's too niche, but I think if you guys at ISC or, I don't know, even somebody you know with more of a production background, Greencastle, Crawfordsville related, has there ever been a documentary made on the Monon Bell game? I'm sure there have been. The, the, thing, the thing that immediately stands out is Ken Owen, who was on television obviously sure. locally in Fort Wayne you know, for, for many, many years. Very proud to Paul. Um, worked at DePaul University after got out of television full time. He was kind of the point person for a long time for all things Monon Bell for DePaul University. He has produced a series of Monon Bell memories that basically highlights like every game that's been played, like a sixty to ninety to two minute vignette about like with you know with with artist renderings with. Still photos with film, with VHS video, with with you know digital downloads, you know, cha- cha- with the change of technologies over the years. But uh, and I'm not sure if that's continued over the last say handful of years. Uh, but I I saw them like over uh, you know about ten years ago from a span of a hundred years. So um, for a single college football game, which is the thirteenth most played game in the history of American college football with having playing 129 having just happened 
there is a documented history of all of those games, which is pretty insane. That is tonight, Ben Davis and Center Grove, the punch their ticket to the 6A, uh, the South ticket to the 6A state finals, which will be Saturday night, next Saturday, inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Greg Rakestraw will be on the call for that. Rake, enjoy a quieter Sunday and uh, have a great call tonight. Thanks, fellas. All right, going to talk some Indiana baseball. Tony Adrani going to join us here in just a second. Reminder, you miss any of the shows or you want to take us on the road, you can do so. 1075thefan.com. Download the free app as well. Uh, We'll talk some college basketball with Tony here, some Indiana basketball. The Hoosiers winners by nine last night. Uh, I need to look up who had the right state layup that changed everything uh, with (laughs) Vegas line if you had the line early. A couple different reminders before we get to Tony. IU football in action on Saturday. That's over on IBC at 11 a.m. Here on the fan on Saturday, Washington, Oregon State will have that game at 7 o'clock. Bears, Lions a little uh, since the Colts are off obviously. Bears and Lions coming your way Sunday at 12.30. Pacers back in action on Sunday as well. That pregame coverage right here on the fan beginning at 4.30. All right, so Indiana one last night. It did not make me uh, quite frankly feel too much better about them going into UConn and then obviously eventually the Big Ten schedule. Tony Adrania joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Tony, good morning. 11 hours ago you tweeted out something to the effect of, uh, let's see, what was it? A concern meter continues to rise. So where is your concern meter as we sit here? The Hoosiers 3-0 and uh, but not three great performances thus far. <laughs> yeah, good morning, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, yeah, you know, so I, I tweeted that last night that my concern meter continues to rise. And I'm typically, I try to stay level-headed about November college basketball, essentially, especially with the transfer portal and, you know, lineups or, um, excuse me, rosters just in a lot of flux in the offseason and all that. So try to stay pretty level-headed. I think after the first game, Florida Gulf Coast, I kind of said, hey, you know, miss me with the negativity first game, Florida Gulf Coast is a decent opponent. Then they played Army, who you know, is by all metrics one of the worst teams in the country and essentially came down to the last couple possessions. So it's like, alright, you know, there might be something here. I, I don't know. And then last night against Wright State without their leading scorer, uh, you know, kind of the same story where it, it came down to the wire. So, again, I, I, I'm not like sounding the alarm uh, on Indiana yet. But at the same time, there are some legitimate concerns uh, about this team and, and kind of their makeup, and, and especially on the defensive end, it looks like, uh, to where, yeah, that, that concern meter has, has risen a bit over the last couple of weeks. For you to sound the alarm, what would it take? Would it, or what needs to get better uh, unless you're going to sound the alarm? Would it be that defense? What would it be? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I look at Indiana's defense, uh, you know, it, when you look at it in the, the grand scheme of college basketball, fifty almost fifty four percent of their opponents' points are coming from the three point line. Fifty two percent of them are, are uh, or fifty two percent of opponents' field goal attempts are three pointers right now. So teams right now are just feasting at the three point line on Indiana. And, and contrast that with IU, only you know twenty six percent of their their field goal attempts are coming from the three point line. So. Um, you know, Zach Osterman had a great article in the Indy Star this week about how opponents are really um, outscoring Indiana from the three-point line, kind of in a macro issue, I think, since 2017. And then, you know, you look at it more of a micro level here in, in 2023, and, you know, the three-point defense is, is certainly a concern for Indiana and something that, that Mike Wilson is going to have to clean up quick because it doesn't get any easier from here, <laughs> you know, with UConn. Uh, coming on Sunday. Yeah, 24 points last night outscored from behind the arc against Wright State. Tony, before we get any further, and by the way, thank you for the time here on this Friday morning. I do want to make sure we get in a little bit of background of you. I, I, the, the diehard IU uh, audience certainly knows you. You've established quite the presence on social media and made appearances in their various podcasts. Uh, but, you know, a high school basketball coach, I know you've done some AAU as well. Uh, if you don't mind, just uh, give our listeners a little bit of a background uh, on uh, your IU, you know, I guess, Phil diving into your bona fides. that you love to do. We need to Tony's do. bona fides. Yeah. Give me your bona fides, yeah. Tony. Give us the credentials. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, to, to kind of go back, I, you know, I, I was a four-year high school basketball player at Southport on the south side of Indy. Uh, went to IU, studied um, broadcasting, you know, did some stuff with you, Kevin, 
And essentially, you know, there was people that were too good at it, like you, Kevin, to where I was like, I'm never going to make a career out of this. So I pivoted um, and kind of went into the marketing realm and decided to start coaching basketball. So I I went back to my alma mater, started coaching at Southport, coached there seven or eight years, um, coached for the Indiana Elite AAU program all the way up through this past summer. Um, And, you know, through that, uh, kind of I stopped high school basketball coaching a few years ago when I had my first kid. It was also COVID, and to kind of scratch that itch, I just started diving into IU film, and um, you know, just started tweeting clips out and stuff like that, and, and people really seemed to enjoy that level of analysis, and so I just kind of kept doing it, and and now you know I, I do that. It's probably ten to twenty hours a week, just diving into IU basketball film, trying to find the nuances of of where the game's at, and then um, you know I partnered up with the folks at Assembly Call, and we've got a little community where where uh, folks can can kind of dive into that film and ask certain questions and things like that. So that's kind of where it all went. You know, it was able to, to scratch that coaching itch by doing this, the broadcasting itch um, as well. Uh, and so it's been a lot of fun. I uh, could have never imagined it, it, it came to this and had the audience that I've got on, on Twitter and things or, or being on, you know, local radio, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's outstanding work. As I said to you last year when we met, I was like, you are you, too good of insight for us not to try and have you on here when the season rolls around. So again, thank you for the time and hopefully the first of many here in this college basketball season. Um, I, I want to go back to something that you uh, brought up from a uh, I guess a three-point standpoint. Um, do you view it from a lineup issue of it's a little bit more personnel based and I guess maybe oversimplify it I use just too big in the starting lineup to defend the perimeter properly I think that that certainly plays a part and I don't even know if it's like too big or if it's just the, the pieces don't necessarily fit like McKinsey and Baco um, you know tremendous talent um, you know top 10 player you know his recruitment in the spring was one of the biggest ones for IU. They, you know, they beat out Bill Self in Kansas to get him. Um, but, you know, from a defensive perspective, he looks a little lost out there. And, you know, Mike Woodson, he comes with an NBA scheme. And it's a lot different than what anybody, any of these guys has ever been taught. And so to expect guys to know that, and I don't know that he actually expects them to know it by November, but, um, you know, these new guys, especially freshmen, to to have that, um, to have to guard at the level he's expecting and, and understand the scheme at the level that he wants, it's just really hard. And compound that with McKenzie Mbako has played more of like a four role, and now he's in a three role where, you know, it, it's completely different. Plus he's got a new scheme to learn. It, it kind of explains and, and helps you understand why sometimes when he's on the floor, his head looks to kind of just be spinning uh, a bit. But I, I do think it is somewhat lineup dependent. You know, I look at Indiana's starting lineup, and it's pretty average in terms of their defensive rating, um, which, you know, average for this group right now would be pretty dang good. Um, and then you look at their lineup with Gabe Cups, and I, I tweeted this out. When you add Gabe Cups instead of McKenzie and Baco to that lineup, they played 37 possessions this season and, you know, have a, a the net rating, which is like basically – your offense versus your defense. That's one of the top in the country. Um, you know, their defensive rating is 81, which is, you know, top 75 percentile in the country. So, um, you know, there, it, to me, that lends more to lineup than scheme because there are lineups that are playing extended amount of possessions that are defending really well. Um, you know, if it was completely scheme dependent, it would just be across the board. And that, that really hasn't been the case with IU quite yet. Um, so to me, it, it does spell more lineup stuff. But at the end of the day, you got to play more than five guys. So, um, you know, if your scheme is too difficult for your guys six through ten, maybe you need to adjust that. Tony Adranya with us. Uh, we're talking some Indiana basketball with him on the Payless Liquors hotline. Uh, I mean, I'm listening to you and I'm nodding my head because I agree with you. I mean, come on. Are we, so, are you saying maybe bench and Baco, bring Gabe Cups in? Does it matter who starts? What would you do with the starting lineup then? Yeah, I don't necessarily think it means to bench and Baco. Um, to me, like last night, Indiana had a, I think it was a twenty-eight thirteen lead with about ten minutes left. Um, the second unit, which was you know when Mike Wilson plays the second unit, it's the second unit. It's guys six through ten. You know, it's not intermixing lineups. It's more of an NBA line change type thing. 
Well, when the starters came back in with Mbako and those guys, they were flat. Um, so to me, it, it's not necessarily like in bench Mbako. It's it's more so if you're going to bring the bench in, you know, maybe you bring six and seven in with, mm-hmm. um, you know, one through three or, or whatever the case may be instead of like six through ten playing. Because not only are, are you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's, your sixth best and your t- through your tenth best guys playing. It's also your first through your five sitting all together and just kind of losing that steam. Like last night, I you had a lot of momentum building um, and, and had a fifteen point lead. You know, the White State was on pace to score fifty points in the game, and those that starting unit just sat too long, in my opinion, and, and really just kind of lost their mojo. And when they came back in, that's really when the wheels kind of started to fall off with the defense. Again, Tony Adranya is with us here. You can follow him on Twitter. That is at Coach Adranya. Great, great follow uh, here. Again, provides kind of in-game updates as he sees it, but certainly breaks some stuff uh, down um, after games. That is uh, at Coach and then A-D-R-A-G-N-A. Tony, as you look at the upcoming schedule, I guess like how much do you think you can continue to try and and, and tinker and improve as the competition improves? You know, you've had your three, and, and for lack of a better term, cupcakes here to start the year, and now all of a sudden it's, Six of your next seven against Power Fives. Harvard's the only one in between there. Harvard is, I think, better than um, you know labeling them just a straight cupcake. Uh, only two of those seven are at home. I guess how much of this do you see uh, being able to be fixed as we get deeper into November and December and even start a little Big Ten play with Maryland and Michigan coming up in a few weeks? Yeah, it's it doesn't get any easier, that's for sure. Um and yeah, it's going to be tough. Like you know, you've got UConn, and then if, if you win that, you you've obviously got probably you um, Texas. If you lose that, you've got Louisville. So there's <laughs> there's your cupcake, I guess you could throw in the mix there. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, in terms of being able to to fix things, it's it's got to happen fast, and you know, it's got to be a lot of film study. And you know, I know that that's one thing that Mike Woodson really hangs his hat on is they watch a lot of film, and they've got to fix it. Um, and they got to fix it fast. You know, UConn is a, a defending national champion. With guy, they shoot a lot of threes as well. You know, they're in the top forty in the country in terms of three point percentage rate. So it's it's. I fear it could get ugly on Sunday if these things aren't fixed quickly. Um, and, and you know, I'm not saying anything that's earth shattering there. But um, yeah, as you mentioned, you know. It, all the way through December, Indiana's really going to have to grind it out. They're going to have to go on the road a couple times. They've got some neutral site games against good opponents. Um, Maryland and Michigan, you know, here in just a couple weeks, kicking off the Big Ten season, neutral with Auburn, home with Kansas. Like, those are going to be – that's going to be a tough stretch. And I guess from an Indiana fan perspective, like, I, you do have to be patient here. And by all – you know, by all means, I think that that probably could get a little ugly. You know, if IU wins two or three out of those, like as Indiana fans, I think you, you've got to be realistic there. And like, that's not bad. Um, and they're going to probably take some lumps here. So I, I would say that I know it's going to be probably a tough stretch for Indiana fans and there will be a lot of uh, alarms being sounded. I'm sure of it. Um, but at the same time too, like you don't want your team peaking in November or December and, it's really hard. It's really easy when you're a fan of a team to just focus on that team and man, my team is really bad or we're really struggling. Well, you look at the entire college basketball landscape right now. Um, it hasn't been pretty basketball. Like mm-hmm. you know, you, you watch that Duke and that Michigan State game. Like that wasn't very pretty. I will say Kentucky Kansas was probably one of the better games I've seen this season. But like the entire college basketball landscape is changing with, like I mentioned, the, the transfer portal and those things. So. It's really easy to focus on on your team and the micro picture of it, but in the macro picture of college basketball, like November basketball is just really bad right now. Um, and I, I think that that's something college basketball fans are probably just going to have to get used to with the portal and those things. Outside of maybe a little bit more Gabe Cups, uh, what else would you look for or would you be intrigued by lineup-wise from a tweaking standpoint, whether it's C.J. Gunn, Caleb Banks, uh, anybody else, I guess, when you talk some of those reserves? Yeah, honestly, I'd like to see a little bit of Mbako at the four with Ware um, at the five. I, I think, you know, it's easy to focus on like three or four and like position numbers. Um, but, you know, I think it'd be easier for Mbako to guard force, you know, asking him to guard on the perimeter when he hasn't really had to do a lot of that. 
um, in his basketball career is a tough ask. So I'd love to see a little bit of a Mako at the four with Ware at the five. Now, granted, that that sits Malik Renew on the bench, um, who's also one of your, your best offensive players and, and a go-to guy. So it's just, you know, IU's got kind of a, a front court log jam right now where most of their effective pieces are right there. So um, I'd like that, but I, I do like – Cups and Xavier Johnson playing together, two ball handlers and playmakers for others um, as well. Um, would love to see uh, CJ Gunn get going. Uh, you know, he's a guy that Mike Woodson at the beginning of the season kind of said, hey, you know, we're going to lean on him and he's going to play some minutes and we're going to need him. He's really struggled with his shot to, to start the year. And so I, I know that um, IU staff would like to see him get going a little bit, but maybe that's something where you throw him in with that. That's kind of that first five to just build some confidence with him. He doesn't have to be looked at as the scorer because that's what he gets when he's with that second unit. Like he's their scoring guy. So he's really looking to be that guy and defenses are keying on him. So maybe put him in more of a secondary role with that, that first group and he can kind of let the game come to him a little bit more. So um, all that to say, it, it's really easy to say that, you know, from where I sit, I understand that that Mike Woodson has a tough job with two ten new newcomers on the squad, and um, you know that, that's tough to try to piece that together when you know your fourth game of the season is against the defending national champion. So um, yeah, it's it's why he makes the big bucks, I suppose. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. It, it is. You know, I thought Gunn was going to get going there uh, in the first half. Hit a couple shots, had a pull up jumper like on the baseline. I thought, okay, you know, he's going to be able to give them something offensively. It looked like there were going to be a lot of points in the game, but just ended with those four points. Positively, Khalil Ware, okay? Um, obviously, five-star recruit had, uh, you know, him transferring from Oregon to Indiana was a big deal. Shooting like 74, 75% from the field, 18 and 10, has been real solid. Obviously, the competition's going to get better against UConn and then going in to the Big Ten schedule. Did you think he would be this good? What makes him a good player right now for Indiana? Just letting the game come to him. Um, you know, he, he's not forcing the issue. He's playing within the confines of the offense. And, you know, for for him, you know, he's a kid that his motor was questioned at Oregon. Um, you know, Mike Woodson's been outspoken about that, that Oregon questioned his motor. And for me, it's it's been a lot of fun to watch because he's a kid that, you know, was a McDonald's All-American. You know, everybody thought he was going to be a one-and-done at Oregon ran into a tough situation and really is kind of having to renew himself and and get back on those draft boards and things like that. So uh, a tremendous start to the year for him. Um, you know, as you mentioned, IU's played some some smaller teams and, and mid-majors, so I'm really intrigued to see what he does against Wisconsin. But at the end of the day, too, Khalil Ware at Oregon last season, he had a five-game stretch that was against like the likes of Texas and Villanova where he averaged like 16 points per game. So it, it's it's not unheard of for him to put up some big stat lines. It's more so, can he do that throughout the course of the season? And he's off to a heck of a start. Yeah, I'd say easily. If you're making a list of the positives, uh, Cleo Ware and a little bit of Gabe Cups would be uh, probably the only two that I, I'd put even on that list. Tony, great stuff, man. Again, at Coach Adranya on Twitter. That is A-D-R-A-G-N-A. And Tony, one more plug, maybe for where people can find kind of your other more film-centric work. Yeah, just hop over to assemblycall.com and you can subscribe there. And, and again, guys, really appreciate you having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Tony, we got to do it again, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, guys.